Hello, everyone, and welcome to From Tip to Tail, a podcast dedicated to animal welfare. This podcast is sponsored by Cuddly. Cuddly is the only crowdfunding platform built specifically for animal welfare organizations worldwide. I'm Bridget. And I'm Sydney. We've spent years working with animal rescues and have seen such amazing innovation, strength, and heart. Having this personal connection with rescuers has made us more informed, grateful, and inspired. We hope by giving you an inside look, you will be too. Today, we're going to be sitting down with Dottie Cross, the founder and CEO of Fiona Animal Refuge of Hidalgo, a rescue that supports the idea that the source of abuse, abandonment, mistreatment, and cruelty, which most animals are victims of in Mexico, is lack of education and community access to needed resources. Now, this woman is a force, an absolute force, and the huge growth that Fiona Animal Refuge has attained over the years is a product of her and her team's determination. That's why we were so excited to bring Dottie on to discuss her tenacious strategies, the key to success in rescue, and the importance of having passion. If you like this episode, be sure to click that subscribe button to listen in on similar stories. Other than that, let's get started. Hey, Dottie, how are you today? Oh, great. I just finished working with about 40 dogs and then I got home and get to talk with you guys. Oh, oh just 40. Is that all? I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We average 40 dogs a day. We're pretty busy. We did uh, 17 spade and neuters yesterday. Wow. Oh my gosh. You're on a roll. That It must be down to a I mean, I hope it's down to a science, I guess. I was going to say it's down to a science, but it's like, oh, that's a medical procedure. It probably should be. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have the, the greatest vet, the greatest team in the world. You couldn't ask for better people. In fact, they're so good. For the last 10 years, I've never taken a day off. I work seven days a week. And this year, for the first time, I'm taking Sunday off because these people, they can run, they can almost run everything without me. Oh, oh my gosh. That's great. Yep. They're wonderful. They're all in their thirties and they're intelligent, hardworking, never complaining. The best employees I could, I could have dreamed up and I've got them. Oh my gosh. Don't tell anyone they're going to steal them from you. I know. (laughs) Because of the peso, we're 20 to one. So $1 is like $20 to us. Down here, my vet, makes in one week what an average vet would make in one day. Wow. Well, so I don't want to get into that because people, I mean, they may not know where you're located and what's going on with your organization. We got to introduce them in the right way. (laughs) (laughs) So we really like to set the stage a little bit. So can you let us know a little bit about your background and how far, is that your abbreviation you prefer, how you guys got started? Well, I... Like I said, I spent 35 years in Las Vegas. I was a pit boss. I was a dealer and a pit boss and a cocktail waitress and wound up taking a trip to Yosemite National Park. And I did a cable route, it's called, on Half Dome. And when I got to the top, there were all these rock climbers with ropes. So here I am in my 40s, and I decided I want to learn to rock climb. I took a class in Las Vegas. They have great sandstone. And I became addicted to rock climbing. So I basically changed all my priorities to being, I wanted to be a big casino boss. And then I decided I wanted to go on the road, quit my job, buy an RV, and be a rock climber. 
So that's exactly what I did. The housing market was great. I sold everything. My husband had passed away. And I hate cold weather. So people started telling me there's this great place in Mexico, 200 miles south of Laredo, Texas, and it's got wonderful rock climbing. So down I go, and it's called El Potrero Chico. And I went down there, and I fell in love with the place. The weather was gorgeous, was 70 during the day, 30s and 40s at night. But then I saw the dogs. I saw dogs eating dead dogs on the street. I saw puppies laying there dead and dying. They had no vet. They had no flea and tick. They had no supplies at all. All they could get would be a little two kilo plastic bags of dog food on the Tuesday and Friday market. Well, I couldn't stand it. It ruined my whole my whole retirement. I was just devastated over the situation with these dogs. So a couple of climbers and I, we decided we found this dog called Fiona. And the people said she was mean. And we went up and cut her chain and took her home. Even now, after all these years, I, I almost cried thinking about her because she died two days later of starvation. She was a Labrador. So at that point, we said, okay, we're going to do something. We're going to build a dog shelter. Well, you know, I'm a Las Vegas dealer. I had no idea about being a 501c3, raising money, building a shelter. But, you know, I just figured I could do it. Thousands of people start nonprofits. So a rock climber friend of mine is a lawyer. He's one of our directors. He, he did our 501c3. We have two vets on board. They took care of all our technical stuff. I found a local lady that owned a hardware store, and she got the builders for me. And we broke ground. And like they say, the rest is history. We became a nonprofit with the IRS in 2012, and we opened this gorgeous clinic that can hold 50 dogs in Hidalgo, Nueve Leon. We went to work getting money, mainly. But the hardest thing was, of course, uh, raising funds. Because when you're in Mexico, because of the border problem and the drug situation, most of your big foundations and corporations like Walmart, Petco, PetSmart, they do business here, but they won't help us. So I just decided I was going to drive everybody crazy until they just, I wore them down. And over the years, that's exactly what I've done. I go after 20 or 30 companies a year, and I badger them until they acknowledge me or give me, make a, a grant. Or then I found Cuddly in Sydney. Out of the blue, I don't even know how I found you. <laughs> and you just injected us with so much energy and you made everything so easy for us to get not only money, but product. And, you know, this year I brought down a truckload. It was so big. I have a 3,500 Dodge Ram that was donated, by the way, brand new. And it was full and it was so heavy. I had to get a special permit to get over the border with all the cuddly donations. Oh my 
gosh. That makes me want to cry, Dottie. I'm just so happy. I'm so grateful for you. You know, whenever I talk about Fiona, because (laughs) there I go again, it's like she died, but thousands and thousands of dogs are alive because that little dog died. Mm-hmm. But you left a great legacy for her. Exactly. She's what pushed us over the edge that said, and when I said to the town people, I'm going to build a dog shelter, everybody laughed at me. So I got so angry that I just dug in. And I had to fire two builders because they were building. I was there every day while we were constructing the Fiona Animal Refuge. And they were didn't even have a level. They had no level, and they were making cement in buckets and using rakes to spread it. And I had to fire two builders before I found a builder that had any clue what he was doing. But like they say, everything works out one way or the other for the best, and we got it built. And it's beautiful. It's the nicest dog shelter that I've ever seen in Mexico, even in the rich part. Ours is beautiful. Oh, no, I bet. I do want to ask, I know that you've been doing so much and you've been helping so many animals. So I'm really curious, how has the last year, kind of year and a half been for you, especially because, you know, you're crossing borders and and you're helping pets internationally in Mexico. Has COVID, has anything like that really, have you seen like it affect like adoptions or have you seen more animals on the street or anything like that? We've had the biggest two years of our on record. We treated more dogs in the last two years and got more donations than we've ever had before. Oh, Oh, so good effects. We've had a lot of COVID here, mainly with older people, the Mexican people, and they don't have a hospital. So mainly they die at home and they did start getting the vaccines. They started, you know, with 80 years old, 70, 60. And I couldn't get mine down here. But as soon as I crossed over the border, I got mine in Las Vegas. So I wouldn't have to worry about this. But I brought a thousand masks with me. So even with the local people, we give masks to everybody just to teach them, teach them that they've got to be careful. This is a deadly disease. Now, when you originally went down there to climb all the rocks, I mean, was that your plan was to live there and just continue your retirement there? Or did you end up being just compelled by the animals? So you so you moved picked up everything and moved there. I'm just so compelled. I never, ever would have dreamed that I would become, I'm like one of those sicko people. Like, you know, you see hoarders, but I'm a good hoarder. It's like, I want to save every dog in Mexico. And we, all of us, my whole team, we fight for every dog, every puppy. Every time we lose one, we take it to heart. And I don't feel that you can be successful as a nonprofit unless you have that passion. That's why since day one, no director would ever be paid, including myself. All our directors donate all of their time. We have seven directors and they do from our accounting, our filing with the IRS, um, our website, Facebook, everything is donated, including myself. All the hours I probably spend, oh, I couldn't even imagine probably 60 hours a week Mm -hmm. here because we get grants. So I have to account for every penny and I'm kind of anal that way. I I really want to be right on the money. 
plus my accountant is worse than me. And if I'm off a little bit, he's like right on me. We don't pay taxes, but we have to, we've got to show the IRS what we're doing with this money. So, mm-hmm. and whenever I go back to Vegas, I think, how did I ever live here with all these cars and traffic and everybody's so driven down here? It's all family. Nobody, these people make $15 a day if they can get a job and they're happy. All they care about is their family. They're just, it's amazing that Mexican people are the most beautiful human beings on the face of the earth. They're just lovely people. That's so wonderful to hear. Oh my goodness. I mean, especially when you have so many animals that are in rough situations too. I think a lot of people have that that false belief or that negative connotation that like, how dare these people not be caring for the animals? But I love what you're saying is like, they're doing the best they can with what they have and with the resources that are available to them. And you know, you just said it. Now, the last couple of years, Walmart came in with a, a small store, but they have the Walmart green bag. And before they were here, you couldn't buy flea and tick soap. You couldn't buy worming medicine. All these products were unavailable. And these people don't have cars. They take buses. So that's why when I say we treated 40 dogs today, we drove to 40 houses. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, they can't. I mean, a couple times in the past, we've had kids bring their dogs in wheelbarrows to the clinic to get their dogs treated. That's If that doesn't break your heart, to have a kid walking down the street Aww. with a dog in a wheelbarrow, man, that will make you cry. Oh my gosh. That gives me chills. It makes you so grateful for the work that you're doing. And I love how you're talking about how you came to it and you're like, you were in your 40s. <laughs> I can't believe it myself because it never entered my mind I would ever be involved. I mean, it's one thing to love dogs and all animals, but to be obsessed with saving them. What we've learned in the last 11 years, how to cure almost everything. And some of it, we use herbal medications. We do, like my vet didn't have orthopedic training. So we had some poor people whose dogs got hit by cars. And we went down to Home Depot and bought a saw. And, you know, the vet knew where every vein and artery is. So off he went and he cut off the leg and sewed it up. And the dogs are great. I have one that lives with me, Bully Boy. He's a three-legged pit bull. So, you know, like they say, they say necessity is the mother of invention. Well, down here, you have to, you have to get inventive. Absolutely. And in regards, I know you said that you have one of the dogs at home. In regards to adoption, when you do save these animals, I imagine there are some that probably live long-term at the shelter, but once they are healed, do you typically adopt them in Mexico or do you bring them to the United States or how does that sort of work? No, no. We have an adoption program, and right now our new director speaks perfect English and Spanish. And because Hidalgo is so poor, she lives in Monterey. There's six million people there. In her job, she knows a lot of people that, that are well off. And she has so far six or seven big dogs, not puppies, but big dogs, one with a broken leg, and had got these dogs adopted to very wealthy people. And I get the video, I get the pictures, plus she does it for love of dogs. 
so this year is going to be a great year for adoptions. Of course, we have a lot of rock climbers come down. This is a famous rock climbing area, and thousands of people come from all over the world to climb here, rock climb here. And every year we'll have 20, 30 people want to take a dog home. So what we do, we give them, yeah, we give them a health certificate. We give them a little passport with their shots. We tell them where to get a, a plastic airline approved cage. And every year we see 20 to 30, uh, mostly puppies go out. Wow. How incredible. Yeah, it really, and every year it gets better and better. That's so incredible. I love what you're saying too. I mean, there are a couple of things, the nuggets I want to pull out. Cause first of all, you said you, you donate yourself, which I just think is the attitude of so many rescuers. And it's such, it really highlights such an amazing heart and like all consuming effort that you see in so much of animal rescue. Like it's not something that you dabble in. It's like you've given your heart, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I've heard that from a lot of people that it's just pretty common in the rescue. 10% of the people do all the work. Other people, they come and go. But you know, and I figure, because a lot of times we have people want to volunteer. I feel in the, in the world and in everything, not just animal rescue, everyone has a place. Some people do the work. Some people supply the money. Some people foster children or dogs and cats. Everyone's got a spot that fits them because you can't have people that are broke. You can't expect them to donate money. And you can't have people that are, have five kids to adopt a dog because they have too many children, but they can come down to the clinic and walk our dogs or play with our puppies. I love that. There's like always, always something that you can do, regardless of your situation, regardless where you're at, there's always an opportunity where you can support an animal rescue, whether it be donating or volunteering or, or walking a dog down the street. Yes, it's absolutely true. I do love that. Cause there's like some air of hope to that. Like I know like there was a time in my life where I didn't have any money, but boy, did I have time like, and I could <laughs> give time. And then like things will change and I'll suddenly have one skill in excess, you know, and you can always donate just that little bit, whatever you have left over. And I mean, my gosh, like a rescue can use almost any skill or resource. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm amazed at you, all of you people, you know, I know you're a regular business, but still the amount of hours I see your posts, I, I read. And occasionally I have to donate. I can't stand it because some of your dogs are so sad. I, I just, they tear my heart out. So I, I'm on social security, so I can't donate too much, but I try to get down, you know, and give a little here and there. And because it's a, you are a wonderful organization. I am just very, very impressed the way Cuddly works things out and with the product, because there's a lot of people that don't want to give money. And I understand that. They worry where the money's really going. And by giving product, it's the same thing. It's perfect. So they get they can have it their way and we other people can donate cash. Absolutely. You maybe have a skewed perspective because Sydney is one of our best faces and persons to be involved with. You're just saying that. 
This is just a podcast where we compliment each other. You guys are going to make me blush. Stop. I'm turning, I'm turning red. <laughs> no, I have to say she's been wonderful. And my sister, Diane, who hooked up with us a couple of years ago, she was kind of seeking something more in life. And I had, I said to her, well, join us. <laughs> There's something you can do. And I explained to her about grant writing and she got so into it. And she wrote a grant and got a grant this year. She told me that. She was so excited. Oh, she was. She was just beside herself. And I told her, get ready for disappointment. You might get one or two grants a year and you might put out applications for 30. But you know what? You just go back the next year. The one she got, in fact, was three years in a row. This three years. This is our third year to, to approach this organization. And it was the third approach that we got the money. So you can't give up. You've got to be like pit bulls. You've got to keep on asking, begging. We do a lot, we do a lot of begging. <laughs> That's okay. All for the right reasons, though. When it comes to these dogs, believe me, other than something illegal, I would do anything for these animals to save them. Anything. You're touching on such an important point, though, that so many of our rescuers, like, I think they need to hear that. It's like, hey, you didn't get the grant the first time. Don't stop. It's not for you. It's for the animals. And you can't give up if it's for the animals. I think so many people are nervous when when they're doing something or asking for money, easily discouraged. Yeah. And oh boy, would I be too. But when you start channeling it and getting into that mindset of like, well, I can be aggressive if it's going to help animals. Yep. I love that. It's not like you're asking for yourself. And when I see, like, we have not a major problem anymore because for the last 10 years, we've been doing a lot of distemper vaccinations. It's a five-in-one vaccine, parvo, distemper, hepatitis. But distemper was an issue down here. And for a $4 vaccine... It was breaking my heart to see these dogs, these puppies die for want of a $4 vaccine. So we have a huge vaccination program. We do a thousand vaccinations a year and we've almost wiped out the distemper in this area. When you're fighting for these beautiful animals, all they want to do is love you. All they care about is making you happy. And every year I confront these companies, by the way, I write them I'll do the same letter with the next year's date, and I have them return receipt requested. Some of them I write an actual letter, and other ones I email, and I never stop. I wrote Pfizer Medical, and big drug companies I have learned, unless they can get and sell a product in your area, they will not help you. So I wrote them so long that they finally donated 700 applications of a product called Revolution, and it's a mange medicine. It's a wonderful, wonderful medicine down here. One application will cure the mange, sarcoptic mange. But they just got sick of hearing from me. I know that was why they gave it to me. They were just tired of these letters. And I go right to the top. I go right to the CEO. And those letters I write, they have to sign for them. Otherwise, I get it back. And they said they didn't sign for it, but they've always signed for it. I never got one back. That is genius. I love what a hustler you are. I know you said it didn't make sense that you went from the casinos into animal rescue, but it's making a lot of sense. 
I know. Well, you know what? I always tell people I do have the gift of raising money. You know, some people have a gift of art, painting, sculpture, writing a book. I have the gift to raise money. I don't know how I got it, but I think people, they just feel my passion. And I think that's another reason to write your own grants. You can pay a grant writer, but why? Nobody knows more about your organization than you do. So sit down and pretend you're writing from the dog's point of view. Tell them what it's like to be starving every day. Tell them what it's like to have bugs crawling all over you. Well, and look at the animals, up, like the lives that you've changed because of that. Yeah, 50,000. We treated 50,000 dogs in 10 years, all free, free to the poor. Wow. And we've spayed and neutered 5,000. Oh, my goodness. That's incredible. And it just sounds like you're you're talking about totally wiping out distemper in your area. You're doing things that are impacting an entire community and an entire ecosystem. It's incredible. Yeah, and I have to admit, the city of Hidalgo had a big, before COVID, two years ago, they had a big dinner for Fiona Animal Refuge. It gave us a beautiful plaque, and all the mayor and all the city council, everybody was there. I have lots of pictures of the, of the, how they presented it. I was quite blown away. I was very, it was really nice to, to be acknowledged in that way. Yeah. I can only imagine that's so wonderful that you're like coming together with this community and obviously have such a passion for its natural resources, but then they've grown to, to love the people of the community as well. I mean, not just the rocks and animals. And every year it gets better. Every year we just, well, my team is, gets so much better. When we first started out, like it gets, sometimes we get snow here and these dogs are tied to trees and they had no protection. So every year we make 350 dog houses and give them away. We'll just drive up and down streets. If we see a dog under a tree that's shivering, we just walk up, give them a dog house, fix the chain, give them a good collar. And we do a lot of that kind of work. We'll go up and down and we'll look over fences, look in backyards. But over the years now, when everybody has a, a phone, people that don't have money for food have a phone. I'm amazed. But I get every day probably 10 to 20 texts for appointments because we're so busy. They have to get an appointment. And it's usually one or two days unless it's an emergency. And uh, we'll go over to these houses and these people will have a puppy with mange, no hair. And we put medicine on them. We tell them we give them a special bath. But working with the people and telling them it's free, don't worry. You don't have to pay for any of it because they don't believe that. I mean, down here, nobody gives you anything for free. It's amazing that you're able to treat so many animals and help so many families when you're doing house calls like that, too. That's incredible. But look what you guys got for us this year. I've been giving out that salmon oil with dogs with skin problems. And boy, it works. And that that uh, that shampoo we've been getting with that, they have it here for people. It's for, we call it ungo, but it's like, like athletes, but a fungus, a fungus. And we, because the bottles are big, we put them in smaller bottles and they, they get to, they participate in curing 
the problem with the dog. Because the more we can get them involved with t- t- taking care of their animals, the the better it'll be, and the more conscientious they'll be because they see, oh, okay, we got to do this, we got to give them a bath, and it it gets everybody involved. So incredible! I mean, it sounds like you're doing so many projects too. It's incredible. I'm wondering, do you have any tips to offer other rescuers or people interested in rescue? How to balance like all this work? I mean, it just sounds like you don't sleep. <laughs> well, to begin with, they've got to take time for themselves. Remember, by the time I'm here six months, we're out of money. So I go to Idaho, I get in my RV, my 17-year-old RV, and I start writing grants for a couple months. And I do nothing. I do absolutely nothing. I just, you've got to empty fill up your tank because almost every day I hold a dying dog and I'll never, never let them die without being held. I believe with all my heart that whether it's a person or an animal, they deserve to be held when they have to leave this earth. And you come home from that, you have a lot of tears and that is cumulative. So at the end of six months here, I'm pretty drained. So the biggest advice is take time for yourself. And I mentor. There's a group in uh, Surfers for Strays down in Mexico. I mentored them. And I mentor a group in India. They can't join up with you because they're not 501c3s. But this one little girl in India has started and built a dog shelter. And she's just going all out. I mean, she. I, I donate every month to $25. but She's doing a wonderful job down there and getting the community involved. And then spread your knowledge. Quite a few people ask me about, well, how do I start a dog rescue? What can I do? Well, first of all, you've got to be able to raise money. You've got to be able to have a board, at least two or three people that you can talk to about situations. What should we do? How do we do this? You've got to be able to build a facility and get funding for that. And remember, the United States has a lot of laws that we don't face down here. So for us, it was a piece of cake. We built our clinic. And if you, I hope you're always invited down here to stay in my house. And you can sleep with any dog you want. <laughs> you have your choice of dog. But down here, we built this whole clinic for $40,000. And if you looked at it, you would say it's a $200,000 clinic in the U.S. So, but people have got to realize what they're getting into. That's why so many nonprofits fail. They go in, they have a dream. They've got to be realistic about what it's going to cost, where they're going to get their money. And then sometimes it's better to just join forces with another rescue. To have a, two rescues in one. You have more people, more funding, because like I said earlier, we're 20 to 1 down here on the pesos. So we can stay, neuter a dog, and keep them for a week. We give them vitamins, we worm them, and we vaccinate them for distemper. In one week, we can do this between $60 and $70. Wow. You can't walk into a vet's office for $60 in the United States. That's true. It's a hard world. (laughs) Yeah. And if you really have a dream and you really want to do it, 
don't give up. Don't give up. Fight for your dream. And you know, another thing, because I fired a lot of people, nobody gets a second chance with Fiona Animal Refuge. If I see anything, if you kick a dog, if you shove a dog, if you do any kind of anything to a dog, you're gone. You cannot have people that you can't trust around every dog. And that's very important because you always hear these horror stories about we saw this guy doing that, we saw this one doing that, and you can't have that. It ruins your integrity. That is so true. And do what you say. And like we down here, they say manana, manana. Well, that doesn't mean tomorrow. That means next week, next month. But Fiona Animal Refuge, when we say we're going to be at your house tomorrow, you better be there because we will come back. We'll give you one shot, but we're on time and we've got a big schedule. Oh my gosh. I love you. I feel like everyone's going to be such a big fan of of Fiona Animal (laughs) Refuge after this. Well, you should come down here. You can stay right here at my house. You know, it's got a cement floor, but it's comfortable. And I've got uh, two extra beds in a bedroom, and I have a big bathroom, and I don't cook, but I have a microwave and a stove. <laughs> and if you come down, all you have to do is cook. What do you say, Sydney? Should we do a slumber party with a 40 dogs? Oh my gosh, yes, please. You would love it down here, and it's beautiful. We're in the mountains. No water. This is a mountain area, Monterey. And you can ride with us in the truck, and you can go up and down these streets and see all these we don't see too many puppies anymore because we've spayed and neutered 5,000 dogs. So when we get puppies in one day, they're gone <laughs> because we don't have any puppies. They all, everybody wants to adopt a puppy, but then they get big and they don't want them anymore. So we pretty much solved the puppy problem with mass spayed and neutering. Are you just solving everyone's problems? I feel like, do you want to come over my house? And we yeah. can <laughs> We can solve some other problems. It's pretty gratifying. I would have to say it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. And when I go, they can that, that's what they can say about me when I when I kick the bucket that she was a woman of integrity and she did what she said she was gonna do. And that's basically what life is all about, to to do the right thing and be proud of it. Absolutely. This has been wonderful. We do have some kind of fun questions for you and I am so excited for them (laughs) because I feel like you're going to have some good, (laughs) good ones. (laughs) So as a fun question, we always like to ask, what is the naughtiest thing a dog has ever done in your organization? Well, just the other day, I was talking to a lady about her dog and her chihuahua came up and peepeed all over my foot. Oh my gosh. And I didn't even notice it. I didn't even notice it. Just marking his territory? <laughs> no, it just looked at me and I looked at it and I thought, oh, I guess I better wash my shoes. Yeah, but basically every day we see so many funny things that very cute things because we have so many dogs around us. And in our, in our office, we have a three-legged dog, a two-legged dog, and a one-legged dog. It's pretty cute because they all play. They're all little dogs and they all play in the office. They're, our, they're like our greeters. And people come in and look at them and they're just like, how do these dogs even get around? But they do, they, they run around on whatever leg they have. Well, so I wonder, you've been doing this for a little bit. 
Is there another rescue or organization that you really admire or you love the work that they're doing? Yes. The one in India, but I can send you her information. I really admire Network for Animals because they're all over the world and they go out. They came here to look at our organization and I had just left. And it was like 100 degrees. And these people flew in, went to the clinic, saw all the dogs. And then I went on their website and I looked there all over. They're in South Africa where all these dogs were being chopped up. They're in saving donkeys in, I forget where it is, but they have, and we're part of it. They have gotten behind Fiona and they really do what they say they were going to do. Their network for animals, I'm very, very proud of them. They really do a good job. So many, there's so many. I see them on you. When I, that Southern, I donated to her, the Southern Georgia, they are wonderful. And I gave her a lot of advice. I helped her uh, suggestions how she could get with this company that makes cots, those really good dog cots. They're mm-hmm. like aluminum. They're like 300 a cot. And I said, it's a raffle. You just you just go and email them and you get in the raffle. And they won cot. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. See, you're going to have everyone pinging you now for advice on grants, on advice on how to hit up Pfizer. <laughs> if you ever run across organizations that need guidance, you can give them my telephone number. Oh my goodness. I would be happy. Well, don't give it to 50 or 100 people. Because like that Southern Georgia one, they were just desperate. They were trying so hard. And they were putting all these success stories on their Facebook page. And I said, I wish it was different. But the reality of life is sad pictures raise money. Happy pictures don't get donations. It's cruel to say that, but it's true. So I kind of kind of guided her in that path and just uh, I gave her a couple companies that she could approach. Like, I'm sure you're familiar with World Vets. They're wonderful. They, they have given us thousands of flea and tick, all free. Aww. And we don't get it every year, but I'll write World Vets every couple of years and uh, they'll send me a box. Totally free. They even pay for the shipping. So I give those kind of hints to people because you don't want to put too many things on cuddly because you don't want to wear out cuddly. You've got to approach a large number of organizations. And that way, cuddly was great to us. You gave us 20 to 30% of our, of our gross this year. Oh, that's huge. I love that. You tell me you got excited talking to me, but I got excited meeting you. <laughs> Well, because every day I would see these cuddly, 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 and it was like, wow, this is like a miracle. We were kind of in a slump that year because I was getting discouraged, and but you revved me right up, and so now I'm like passionate and crazy again. Well, I'm so glad you are. I know. When I was a dealer in Las Vegas, I was like this on my table. See, if you would have been gambling with me, you would have had such a good time. I would be making you laugh and telling you jokes and taking your money. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you still make me laugh and you still tell me jokes. So there's still that. Get your tickets to Monterey Airport 
anytime from November to April and stay as long as you want. Stay a month, stay two months. I don't care. <laughs> I'll do it. And they have resorts here with swimming pools and April, everything gets pretty hot, like in the 90s. It was 95 today. Wow. That's a hot day. Yeah, but I like it hot. I'm from Vegas. I like it real hot. I'm sitting right here with no air conditioning. I love it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love it. Well, we have to ask, you're so fired up. Is there any like mantra or quote saying that you tell yourself all the time to to stay inspired, basically? Yes, I tell myself, you can't save them all. Just make their little time they have on this earth wonderful. So good. I tell that myself every day, every day. We had a puppy yesterday. It was only four weeks old and we, we lost it right. We were right there just about when it died. And I, you know, right away I get all choked up and I, I tell myself, daddy, he was loved. He was held. The lady loved him and he was loved. What more can you ask for life than to be loved? That's so true. Down in Mexico, they're learning to love their animals. You're changing the culture down here. You're dealing with people that have never, to them, dogs and cats were vermin. When I got here almost 20 years ago, you would see all these people throwing rocks at all the dogs. And I would get out of the truck and start screaming at them, stop it. And these boys would run away, but they would just throw rocks at the dogs because the dogs were running the streets and tearing up all the garbage cans because they were hungry. They were starving and they would tip over these big garbage cans and eat all the garbage. But I very seldom see a tipped over garbage can anymore because we give out thousands of pounds of dog food. We carry a 50 pound bag in the car. When we're driving, if we see a Skinny dog, we, we throw out dog food. And not just a little bit. We throw out a scoop of dog food. So great. We're so grateful for all the work you've done. Thank you so much for coming on and shedding a little bit of light on to everything that you're doing in Mexico. That's amazing. I'm very grateful for Cuddly for helping us do it. Amazing. Without you, there can't be us. I'm going to make me cry by the end of this. I know. I can tell the way you are. I don't know Bridget well, but I can tell, Sydney, the way you are, that you have a big heart. You have a mighty heart for animals. I can tell that just by the way you are when I text you and when... That she does. You as well, Dottie. I, you inspire me to be better. Well, come down here. You might, you might turn into uh, one of our employees. I know. <laughs> Honestly, it's probably why I've been putting it off because I'm like, if I go down there, I'm probably going to end up staying. You might never come back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with us. This was so great. Oh, thank you for doing it. And how about a video? I could walk you around the clinic. I can show you our work and all all our dogs. I can take, we have two facilities. One is full of puppies and crippled dogs. You come down here and you'll you'll or you get a video going, we'll we'll do something. Oh, it's a date for sure. <laughs> Speaking with Dottie has basically given me enough fuel to burn through the end of the year. That was so incredible. We love all the work she's doing. 
If you want to connect with Dottie or learn about any one of these amazing projects that she's working on, you can check our show notes or our blog. And as always, remember to rate, like, and subscribe to this podcast and be sure to follow Cuddly on all social media accounts at We Love Cuddly. That's C-U-D-D-L-Y. Thanks, guys.